Welcome back to Fintech Business Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with John Lear, president of Fintech Meetup, which is taking place next March in beautiful, hopefully sunny Las Vegas. I will be there, of course. John, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, We're chatting here at almost the end of 2023, and it's certainly been a bit of a tumultuous year in banking and fintech, you know, from uh, the spring bank failures, which were right before the last fintech meetup event. I had to quickly revise uh, some programming, if I'm remembering correctly, to, you know, the VC funding slowdown, a reckoning for consumer, uh, crypto legal drama like FTX and Binance, you know, for you. What was the most unexpected development this year? Well, firstly, Jason, it's a pleasure to be here and to spend some time talking about uh, what happened in 2023. You know, fintech, uh, I think over the last 12 months, has probably never seen a period like this. Um, But when I think about 2023, one of the things, and this is very dear to your heart, that I think took me somewhat by surprise, and perhaps it shouldn't have done, has really been the real scrutiny from a regulatory compliance standpoint on banking as a service and BAS. Um, You know, I'm long-term very bullish on BAS um, as a segment in fintech, and I think there's some great opportunities there. But I think some of the the ways that the the industry has approached uh, onboarding, bringing these partners together, the oversight, um, clearly all of that needs to be looked at. Um, I guess the surprising thing for me has really been the number of issues and then the 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 size of the issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a big surprise to me. And I know, Jason, that's a, a topic that's dear to your heart. And, and thank you for some of the great reporting on it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly been interesting to, I mean, one, just personally, like, gain a real depth of understanding of some of the both the like mechanics of how those relationships work in practice as well as how you know regulators you know including the actual you know teams on the ground doing supervisory exams doing you know enforcement actions how they what they're looking at and to be honest what they're not looking at i mean one of the comments um in a conversation with somebody uh at, at that other recent event in Vegas um, was around bank examiners. You know, I mean, literally there is an exam manual. And so, you know, there are mm. certain issues that they are very familiar with and trained to look for. And that is perhaps one of the reasons why a lot of the actions we've seen have been around BSA AML compliance, because there is a well sort of well laid out playbook for for what to look for and what what problems, you know, you might found or find or what they look like. Um, I'm really curious to see, you know, my sense is there are going to be more enforcement actions coming. Um, and I'm curious to see if those center on the same sets of topics we've already seen uh, or, or other topics that we haven't seen. I'm particularly some of the, you know, info security, change management um, kinds of risks that may be unique to how banking as a service plus middleware plus consumer facing fintech relationships actually work from like a technology and operational perspective. Yeah, Jason, I think that's a great point because you know if the same issues are being um, rec- they're recurring issues and they keep coming up, then to some extent it gives one an opportunity to to address those at a kind of systemic and an industry level. Um, but if there are more issues that are coming up, and you raise a great point around infosec, for example. Um, 
then perhaps the malaise is going to be uh, longer and deeper. Um, you know, I remember when my previous company that I moved out to the US to start, um, Earthport, this is 10, 12 years ago, you know, our first customers were the banks. And this is just when fintech was getting going. And to get a sign-off from a bank to process, for us to process their transactions, both from a data standpoint, but we also took possession of the cash as well. We did the whole cash management mm, global. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we went through uh, an annual examination. We thought it was annual. It was actually every month. And they would look at every single part of that business. They would fly to London, where our op center was. They'd go to our data centers. Um, they'd look at uh, operational security, uh, operational resilience, um, operational contingencies, the same with InfoSec. And, um, you know, we thought it was always a, uh, uh, an overburdensome proctology, but but actually it makes sense. Now, I think the industry has shifted a lot more now and banks are becoming a lot more pragmatic. But um, there's going to be a leveling up in the BAS space around some of these areas. And I, I think that's going to ultimately be good for everybody because, you know, long term, I'm very bullish on and what it can do for um, the broader industry, the broader economy. But it has to tick all the right boxes. So, um, you know, I think this, the that you've raised, Jason, are... Um, very, very timely and very important for us all to get our hands around. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. I mean, I don't think the idea, the model of banking as a service in the US market is going anywhere. Because I mean, as as you know, and as you're super familiar with, um, you know, the majority of the products that fintechs are offering require some level of partnership with a regulated bank, whether it's payment processing, holding deposits, or doing credit, you know, asterisks. Yes, there's some like state license stuff you can do, but for most intents and purposes, you still need um, you know, a bank partner if you're if you really want to do credit at a at a national scale or if you want to do any revolving product tied to a um you know Visa, MasterCard issued card. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't think the model's going anywhere. And it's a matter of uh perhaps some some painful growing up uh, that is, is going on, and and I think ultimately that that yields a healthier ecosystem for the banks and and for fintechs, and ultimately for consumers and and SMBs and enterprises who are using these products. Um, what about good news? I mean, any any silver linings from from twenty twenty three? There's got to be something in there. There, there. there are a few things in there, <laughs> um, definitely from from my standpoint, and and you know, again, I think. Uh, fintech has taken a little bit of a battering over the last 24 months, call it 36 months. But long term, you know, this is this is not a cyclical trend, fintech. It's not going to come in fashion, go out of fashion. It may with investors. This is a secular long-term structural shift. And um, that's why I'm, I've always been bullish on fintech and I will always continue to be bullish on fintech. But I think, you know, a couple of silver linings stories for me. Um, one is the return... Um, uh, of what I call infrastructure fintech, you know, putting all the elements together behind the scenes that are really helping transform how banks and how ultimately businesses, um, you know, transact, reconcile, move cash, think about the propositions, the consumer, oh, sorry, the customer experience. Um, I'm thinking very much here in the B, B to B to C space. Mm -hmm. And a couple of um, organizations, you know, I wanted to call out where I think they're doing some really amazing things. One is Pinwheel um, on deposit switching. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're doing some really exciting things that, frankly, they're much better placed to do than banks are. 
Um, so, you know, they've done a number of partnerships, American Express, Cash App, Citizens. And, and I think that is where truly a fintech is bringing and unlocking great value that focuses on both sides of the P&L, um, for example, new customer adoption um, and acquisition, but also the balance sheet as well. And the combination of those two factors is incredibly attractive and intriguing for um, for bankers. So I'm, I'm very bullish on that space. Um, and then the second one for me is, it's really nice to see SWIFT, um, the big infrastructure, the big 10,000 pound gorilla, uh, really finally embrace fintech and do some really smart things, which I think are long overdue, but but great to see. So the partnership with WISE for global low value money movements, um, something that's near to my heart or dear to my heart. I, I think it's terrific to see that. Finally, one of the big holdouts of infrastructure for payments, it's really embracing fintech. And in fact, this morning, I also saw um, Swift are doing some good partnerships around global real-time transfers as well. So that's really encouraging. Um, and I hope finally we'll put to, the, to bed the the, the argument or the discussion bank v fintech, which seems to be on every event agenda since the year dot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, and that was always very much the positioning when when fintech was first becoming a very trendy term, which in my mind is like 2014, 2015. Yeah, and I I don't think it was ever necessarily an accurate encapsulation of what was really happening, but there was this notion of like fintech versus bank. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to your point, I don't think that I don't think that's been true probably ever, and, and certainly not with where we are now. I mean, I guess one one other silver lining, uh, uh, maybe this is less fintech silver lining, more banking silver lining, or or a little bit of both, um, is you've really seen some improvement in products and features that establishment banks, and I'm thinking everyone from you know Capital One to JP Morgan Chase to you know even regionals, uh, Fifth Third, PNC, whoever, um, you know some of what they're offering has arguably improved both through features that first became popular in consumer fintech products, yeah. and you know at least partially through competition. So I'm thinking things like. You know, accounts with lower or no minimum balance and overdraft fees was that purely competition, you know, or you know certainly there was a role of uh, Elizabeth Warren and CFPB in, in driving some of that. Um, but features like you know BNPL, which you know we won't argue whether that's a good or bad thing, but you know that was something that was sort of incubated as a standalone product in fintech world. And then you saw increasing adoption of formulations of that in, you know, whether attached to to existing credit cards or revolving lines or standalone products in, you know, establishment in some establishment bank products. And so I think that's an interesting way to think about the paradigm. I mean, probably not like what VCs and outcome VCs necessarily want to see, but the idea that, hey, these like standalone fintech companies are interesting sort of R&D labs where... You know, they have a higher risk tolerance, they have more willingness to experiment, you know, maybe they can operate more quickly for a whole variety of reasons. And then both through competition, you know, and you know, to be blunt, through just like topping what seems to be working, even users who are not out there using, you know, a quote unquote fintech product 
should be benefiting from what's happening and from the changes that that, that ecosystem is driving. I, th I think, Jason, that's exactly right. You know, the phrase a rising tide raises all boats um, is, is, is spot on for this industry. Um, you know, fintech typically is doing the innovation. And partly that's a function of the fact that, um, and having worked uh, at, at a uh, big global bank, I can speak to this. Fundamentally, most global banks or most big banks, their products of acquisitions over decades, um, if not longer. So on the back end, there's always this huge spaghetti of infrastructure and systems that don't talk to each other. It, it's actually mind boggling. And I remember um, uh, a former uh, partner of mine saying uh, from Goldman saying that, you know, ultimately technology in a big bank is a very, very challenging problem to solve from an innovation standpoint. Um, so what I think the way you've described it is exactly right. FinTech drives the innovation, sets the agenda, which then forces the banks to do likewise and, and invest either through partnership or trying to copy and um, copy and paste. Um, and then on the flip side, I think there are some areas that, frankly, banks are going to be much better at than fintechs. You know, if I think about JPs, the level of investment that they're making globally, um, which is all from the annual reports in machine mm -hmm. learning and AI, specifically on the trading side, it, it's just phenomenal. And I, I'm not sure there are many um, independent organizations that match the level of balance sheet to, to, to compete with that. So I think it works really on both sides. Fintech clearly has a huge role to play both as a standalone, but also as a source for new inspiration for new ideas. And conversely, um, you know, banks are developing very unique capabilities that ultimately fintechs will be able to take advantage of from a partnership standpoint as one of their partners or suppliers. So it, it's it's very much a symbiotic relationship. And I think that's what's exciting when you put the two together, What what can come out of that. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, most banks don't have the uh, R&D or the engineering budget that JP Morgan Chase does. Um, and, and as a result, you know, a lot of, I mean, the, the large majority by like count of number of banks and credit unions, you know, are, are not technology uh, shops per se, right? Like that is not what their core competency is. I mean, the the joke, which I now want to steal and take credit for, is you know your typical community bank is functionally a franchise where they have the right to operate issued from the government in the form of a license, and they have a approved supplier in the form of a core provider like FIS or Jack Henry, and their menu looks identical to the community bank, the town over and the town over and the town over from that. In yeah. in a lot of cases, you know if you are you know. And any but the largest financial institutions, you are dependent on external, call them partners or vendors or suppliers or what have you, to bring uh, a lot of that technological innovation. And to your point, that's going to take uh, a variety of formats, whether it is a, you know, a fintech that is selling to banks, whether it is a fintech that is acquired by an existing provider, like FIS's acquisition of Bond. Uh, whether it is a bank acquiring a provider like Fifth Third's acquisition of Rise, and mm. with you know with some of the funding stress that that we mentioned you know uh, earlier, I think there there's likely to be more of those kinds of uh, you know acquisitions partnerships in in you know in the coming you know twelve eighteen months. Uh, speaking of, did you do you have uh, any any predictions for for twenty twenty four? 
Yeah. So I I just had dinner recently with uh, Roy and Bertrand Souza from um, they they were the original or founded NetSpend and then Rev Worldwide, which is now Oro. And um, I have to say, Jason, it was one of the most inspiring uh, interactions I think I've had in fintech for a number of years. It was just fantastic. The reason it was so fantastic is Roy and Bertrand have bought back uh, NetSpend. Um, they've, so they did a public to private, and they've got some great ambitious growth plans. And these are the re real original OGs of fintech. But why I found it so inspiring was the real focus that they were bringing to the business on fundamentals, doing the right things, um, thinking consumer first, um, thinking about the P&L, what levers can we move on the cost side? What do we need to do on the revenue side to move profitability? And these are obviously incredibly talented, seasoned entrepreneurs with, a, with an amazing track record. But as we were talking, what it became clear to me was that this is what fintech needs right now. Um, startups need to go back to basics. Or in fact, all of us need to go back to basics and really think about the fundamental value proposition. How do we move these various profitability levers? Let's stop worrying about the price of the next round that we need to raise or in this environment may not be able to raise. But let's really go back to basics. Let's build the business. Let's become builders. And um, it, it was just so co coincidental that as we were talking, we then kind of talked about the broader fintech environment. And uh, I, I just came away from it very inspiring, very inspired, because when people like Roy and Bertrand are coming back industry um, and they're bringing that level of focus on doing the, you know, the real fundamentals, mm -hmm. I think it really bodes well for the future. And in fact, both are going to keynote at FinTech Meetup, which we I know we'll we'll talk about so, uh, shortly. And I would encourage everybody to listen to them because one, their story is really inspiring, and two, how they think about building businesses is uh, I think it's a blueprint for 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 people to to really think through. Um, so that was one one thing that uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, the other thing is I think Lewis Hamilton will win the 2024 Formula One World Championship. I need to I need to watch the Netflix show. I feel woefully like uninformed, uh, particularly again, given uh last time I was in Vegas, couldn't get anywhere because they were setting up for that Formula One race. I needed a budget, like an extra 20 minutes to like navigate my way through <laughs> through uh through the strip. Um, I mean, speaking of uh next year's fintech meetup event, which like Somehow it's alarmingly soon, and I haven't even thought about booking my my flight or hotel yet, so I should do that. Um, <laughs> last year was the first one in person. Uh, huge success. I have to say I really enjoyed it. Um, what do you have in store for for next year? What you know, what's gonna be the same? What's gonna be different? You mentioned some of the some of the keynotes, some of the programming. What can you tell us? Yeah, we're we're really excited. So the um, the next fintech meetup is March third to the sixth. Uh, we're moving to the Venetian, and um, the reason we're moving to the Venetian is um, we're now the only uh, fintech show in quarter one in the United States. So we're super excited about it. Um, we're growing um, very aggressively. We'll be five six thousand individuals attending, and um, for us that's a great size. Um, you know, reminds us of the early days of uh, another event that we launched, Money 2020. Um, so, so we're super excited about it. You know, the event itself, it's going to be 
much more of the good stuff with some extra spice thrown on the top as well. So we're obviously renowned for the meetings program that we run. And, um, you know, I think everybody I've spoken to, and I've spoken to hundreds of people who attended FinTech Meetup over the last six months. And the one thing that just blew, blew people away was the sound of 30,000 meetings taking place at the same time, all using our technology, all using our platform. People really loved it. Um, now, we're really happy that people loved it, but we're even happier because it hit our objective. And our objective is always, how do you mobilize 130 uh, individuals from 130 solutions and services from across the whole industry? How do you get the whole of FinTech talking to each other? Whether it's creating new commercial opportunities, partnerships, investments, sales, getting your store media. Um, so, so we love that. And for 2024, we'll probably schedule 50,000 meetings, um, which is, it's, if you haven't participated in FinTech Meetup and you want to be blown away, just come to Vegas and see that. So that's one thing. The meetings program is going to be bigger and it's going to be even better. The second thing is we've got a stellar lineup of speakers, moderators, thank you, Jason, um, coming to uh, FinTech Meetup, 175 of the leading influencers and leading thought uh, thought leaders uh, from across the space. And, you know, our agenda is um, we, we're, we've really taken it back to basics because if people are going to give us their time, we want to reward them with content that really hits the mark. And the way that we do that is, what are the most important ind uh, industry issues? Um, what's the most uh, important uh, organizations or pressing organizations that want to share the narrative? And then who's best place to talk to it? So with the speaker lineup we've got, I think, is the strongest that we've ever seen. And the agenda, you read it, you understand it, it's navigable, it really, really hits the spot. Um, so that's... Uh, the meetings program, that's our content. We also have another form of content as well called Table Talks, which is peer group generated mm -hmm. content, which people love. Um, and then finally, we've launched what we call co-located events and activities. Um, again, this is us using technology to help everybody who come to the event to have a much better experience. Um, and the way that we do that is, hey, you don't have to go into a Google Sheet to find which parties are happening and how do I blag an invite and how do I get on the list for this? What happens is that people who are putting on events and we want everybody to create events and build this ecosystem around FinTech Meetup, you'll be able to list your event in our platform. You can send invites, manage RSVPs. So we're really excited about it and the response has been great. And um, you know we're doing all of this because ultimately we believe that everything starts with a conversation whether it's meeting somebody in the meetings program, meeting, you know, listening to some content and then engaging around that, going to an event or an activity, a happy hour reception, you're going to have these incredible conversations. That's going to really help you both on a personal individual basis or you're going to be able to help somebody else uh, or help their business. And that's why we're doing FinTech Meetup and we're so excited. Um, and finally, I should just say one thing. We do something incredibly special for financial institutions. There's no event that does this anywhere in fintech. Um, and we really want banks, credit unions, community banks to come to fintech meetup and to see the huge wealth of opportunity that's in front of them that the industry is already building and, and has in the market. So what we do, Jason, is we actually give everybody who's from a uh, in, in the correct role at a regulated institution uh, free tickets valued at over three and a half thousand dollars plus a $750 travel allowance to come to FinTech Meetup. 
So you're going to come budget free. You're not going to have to buy a ticket and you're going to have an incredible experience. So if anybody listening to this is at a, a financial institution, come to FinTech Meetup. You will be absolutely blown away. And of course, you're going to meet all the amazing FinTechers that are going to be there as well. You're almost making me wish I still worked at a bank, John. <laughs> uh, but but in 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 all seriousness, you know the the um, specifically the event program, and and I'm you know a uh, uh, experienced veteran now because I've been you know I did the I think it was two years where it was online only. Yeah, you know. At other other events, I usually like opt out and don't even <laughs> don't don't even you know experiment with with that because it, it's just too um, you know the output in in my past life has not been been great. But I will say like from you know the years when it was online to last year in person for fintech meetup, um, you know absolute game changer as far as. Uh, a mechanism to to sort of screen match schedule and then actually like have these um one-on-one -on -one meetings uh so definitely looking forward to that do not envy you on the uh the content creation uh, or the you know sort of choosing the themes and speakers purely because of how much can change between when you release <laughs> the in the initial agenda and when we actually all show up in Las Vegas that uh you know challenge to make sure it, it it stays timely i am sure uh any any sneak peek on the specific themes and and topics uh for for the event next year yeah i mean there were a couple of things that um that, that we're excited about um you know I, I think six months ago we had a big long discussion internally you know what what what's the role of crypto should it be on the agenda should it not be in what format should it be on um I think we were initially thinking, yeah, yeah, much like many people in the industry, perhaps the with FTX and all the things that have happened, perhaps crypto doesn't necessarily have a big role uh, on the agenda. But what we started to see now is more and more um, much stronger institutional interest, both on the uh, bank side and also uh, on the VC side, where they're seeing very specific applications of uh, crypto and blockchain actually get real traction now. So we're going to speak to that a little bit, which um, uh, we're not box ticking on that. We've actually got some very, very interesting insights that people will, will, will I think, will get great value from. You know, I think overall, the thing that uh, you're going to see weaved throughout the agenda, both in separate sessions, but also throughout all of the content sessions, is the role of AI. Now, obviously, that's a, a clearly an obvious choice. But what we've done is we've really taken it back to, let's not just talk about the technology of AI, talk about how do you use AI in a practical um, uh, environment to solve a very specific challenge. So the role of AI, for example, in compliance and regulatory oversight, that's great. How does somebody use that as a practitioner in their day-to-day -day jobs to either attract new customers, better serve existing customers, take out operating costs, reduce risk, so with everything that we do on the agenda, it's always with the end in mind, which is somebody's going to give us 40 minutes of their time to be in a session. We want them to go away and have a real set of invaluable learnings that they can apply the very next day in their business. So we're, we're really excited about that as well. Yeah, I mean, that uh, sounds like a very interesting and relevant lineup of topics and, and a particular perspective on them, right? I mean, I remember whatever, two-ish years ago when... 
you know, every, well, not every, a third of the booths at these kind of events were all, you know, crypto, crypto related. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, never entirely clear beyond like, okay, so we're going to just add, you know, Bitcoin to some existing consumer app. Um, you know, for, for the most part, that seems to have been, I, I won't say short lived because it's, you know, it's not certainly not over, uh, but there's been a, a significant attenuation of, of interest. I mean, even I think today or earlier this week, I read that, that SoFi is going to sunset its crypto, feature yeah. there's some other factors there given that it is now a bank and has additional regulatory complexity um well, john i am really looking forward to attending again even if that does mean i have to go to las vegas i will do it for you <laughs> thank you um <laughs> for folks that want to learn more about the event and buy their tickets uh including the the offer you mentioned for folks at uh, at banks or regulated fis uh where should they go yeah um so firstly they can email me directly if they would like to it's uh just john j-o-n at fintechmeetup.com but you can go directly to fintechmeetup.com you can get tickets online um if you've got any questions you can just reach out to me directly as well um you know we're really excited about the event and we think people are going to absolutely love it um but uh sometimes people have questions and we're here to help and answer those so uh jason i'm looking forward to seeing you in las vegas and uh uh, it's going to be a great event. All right. I will add that info in the show notes for people who are uh, listening so they can uh, get a hold of John and get their tickets. Uh, and John, I will see you in Las Vegas in March. Thank you so much. And Jason, thanks for the opportunity to uh, to recap 23. Thank you, John.